What is sin? It's a good question. There's no perfect definition to it. Sin is a moral, religious decision. I haven't really explored it for myself. To be honest with you, I don't know what sin is. I think it's a personal opinion. I'd say sin is what you feel. You know what I mean? If you feel that you done did wrong, then that's that's sin, you know? It's just bad. <laughs> sin People is are bad. Doing something that you know is wrong. If you know that it's wrong, they know that it's, that it's wrong. Sin is when you do something that you know is wrong. Is there any consequences for sin? I think so, yes. I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah, it's called karma. It happens to us every day. I, I kind of feel in a karma that what comes around goes around. Whether right. it's a little slam the finger in the door or, or if it's a financial bind or whatever, you know what I mean? So if you do evil, it might not come back to you right away, but eventually it will. Is there any consequences for sin? I think so, yes. I think it affects the afterlife. In what way? Tell me a little bit about that. I don't think we can know. I don't believe in a heaven or hell, but I think it would be different for everybody. Consequences. That's not for me to perceive, and that's not for me to judge, really. Do you think you're a sinner? Uh, sure. Sure. Uh, I don't think I'm up there in the, the, the worst sinners. You know, I feel there's some are worse than others. I'm a sinner on little things, but not big things. I guess I am, because I'm not perfect. Do you sin? I'm sure I have, yeah, so everyone does it every once in a while. Do you sin? I do. Um, how often? Every day? Every week? Every day. Daily. It's ridiculous, but yeah. I probably sin multiple times today. Every day I go to work. Every day I walk out the door. Well, sin, it's kind of an irritating word, isn't it? I mean, it just kind of gets under your skin when you hear about it, hear that video, you know. And that song, that song just was like sin. And that video that went with it, it's such an irritating word. I read a story this week about uh, a Dr. Howard, who was a pastor from Australia, was here in America speaking, and he preached a strong message on the subject of sin. And after the service, one of the church leaders uh, came to uh, counsel him in the study, and uh, uh, he, uh, he Dr. Howard was telling the story. He said, uh, the man said, we don't want you to talk as openly as you do about man's guilt and corruption because our boys and girls um, uh, hear you, will hear you discussing that subject. They will more easily become sinners. Call it a mistake as you will, but do not speak so plainly about sin. And the pastor took uh, down a small bottle and Showing it to the visitor, he said, uh, you see that label? It says strychnine. And underneath it, in bold red letters, was the word poison. Do you know, man, that what you're asking me to do, you're suggesting that I change the label. Suppose I do. And he said, and suppose I paste, uh, paste over the words poison with the words essence of peppermint. Don't you see what might happen? Someone would use it not knowing the danger involved and would certainly die. So it is, too, with sin. You see, but in our culture today, we, uh, we could make a case that the unpardonable cultural sin today is to call someone a sinner or to call an action or behavior that someone is into uh, is to call that sin. It's kind of the unpardonable sin 
of our culture today uh, to say what somebody else does is sin. Which leads us to this weekend's uh, twisted thinking that we hear all the time. Maybe you believe this twisted thinking or, or, or maybe you've even said this. It's this, it doesn't matter what I do as long as I don't hurt anyone. It doesn't matter what I do as long as I don't hurt anyone. You see, it doesn't matter what I do, it's none of your business. It doesn't matter what I do as long as I don't hurt anyone in what I'm doing. That's twisted. I mean, the Bible doesn't teach that. You see, so what I want to attempt to do this morning is to help us untwist this thinking by looking at what the Bible teaches us about our behaviors, about our actions. Now, if you lived in Jesus' culture, if you lived in, uh, in his time, the culture value of the day when uh, in Jesus' time would have been justice. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You did this wrong, you were wrong, you sinned, and you will be punished. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It, now it doesn't, I don't think, it takes a theologian to figure out the value of our culture today. Anybody know what that might be? What the value of our culture today is? Justice in Jesus' day, what is it in our day? Tol tolerance. Tolerance. Glad you didn't answer, Mike, because you have been cheating on the question the test. <laughs> you were here last night. And I was thinking, Mike, he'll know it. <laughs> but, you know, uh, most likely it's tolerance is the, is the culture value of our day. Ten years ago, the, uh, Theron Keller, who uh, is a longtime guy that comes to Salemville for longer than I have, gave, uh, gave me a sermon by Josh McDowell. And in that sermon, in that message, he said, Josh McDowell said, the biggest issue uh, facing the church in the future will be tolerance. In the past decade, the word tolerance uh, meant that all people uh, had equal value. And that's absolutely the truth. Today, it means all ideas and all behavior have equal value. All ideas and all behavior have equal value. Uh, today, it is wrong and unacceptable to say that any particular behavior is wrong. It's, it's just intolerable. It's unacceptable. That it's, uh, it's unacceptable to say what you're doing is sinful. It, it, it's, it's unacceptable to say the Bible says that's wrong. In our culture today, you can't get by with that without being labeled as some hate person spreading hate. You know, uh, so as a result, we don't even use simple terms today. We've changed the terms of sin, what the Bible describes as sin. We have changed those terms so we don't have to feel bad about our behavior. We just change the terms. Uh, we look at sexual sin, for example. Instead of saying pornography today, we simply say adult entertainment. Sounds better, doesn't it? There's something about pornography that just sounds sinful, that is simple, but just sounds sinful. And so we've changed the term to say adult entertainment. You know, it, it, it sounds much more acceptable. Instead of, stay, instead of saying somebody committed adultery, 
We say, hey, they had an affair. Had an extramarital affair. Doesn't sound nearly as bad as committing adultery. You know, premarital sex is now called fooling around. After all, everybody fools around a little bit. And so premarital sex has, uh, doesn't sound as bad to say they were fooling around. You know, we've taken what was once called sin. Now you, have to, you know, I, I know this is a little uncomfortable and I know this is a little irritable, you know, because sin is a pesky word today. But if we, we've taken what was once called sin and now we say it's none of your business what I'm doing. I can do whatever I want to do as long as I don't hurt anyone else. That's twisted. So I was thinking about that. And I'm thinking about my responsibility as a pastor, as you, uh, one of your pastors. It's my responsibility to remind us and to educate us and the fact that sin is still very real. The, the, the definition of sin and what the Bible teaches us about sin has not changed. People say, well, you know what, we gotta, the church has got to get with the culture. And I say, no, the culture has got to get with the Bible. You know, you got, you know we got to change because times have changed. And the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and he'll be the same tomorrow. And the culture can change, all the culture wants to change, but God's word will never change. It will never change. So, so we, you see, the, it's twisted to think that we change the word to fit our behavior. But we have to, I just need to remind us and educate us that sin is still very real, that it's very damaging to us, and it has earthly consequences. It has earthly consequences. It hurts other people. You know, I think back over my life and, uh, and the sinful things that I was involved in in my life and how I hurt the people I love the most. And, it, it, and, and if it's left unforgiving, if, if that sin is left unforgiving, it causes da damning eternal consequences. So today I, I want to talk to you about three twisted beliefs. I'm trying to keep this upbeat, okay? Um, <laughs> so I want to talk about three twisted beliefs about sin that many have, uh, 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 that many people have about sin, and hopefully help us untwist our thinking by looking at what the Bible teaches. Our first twisted belief is this I'm not a bad person. I'm not a bad person. And I would say, yes, you are, and so am I. I'm a bad person. And so are you. I hope you're encouraged today. I'm glad you came. <laughs> and, and, and we're only a bad person if we believe what the Bible says. Because the Bible says in 1 John 1, 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we were without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, now if you... And I, if you were to compare yourself to the person sitting next to you, and I'm looking out there, you could probably look at that person and say, well, I am not as bad as they are. <laughs> Just look at the person next beside of you and think, thank God I'm not as bad as they are. <laughs> you know, that, and so go, go ahead and tell that person. Paul, go ahead and tell your wife. <laughs> Thank God you're not as bad as she is. 
And watch yourself get all slapped up. Yeah, go ahead, you know, go ahead and just think about that. But most of us think we're fairly good people. But, you know, to me, it's a bit like a bunch of warthogs. You ever seen a warthog? That's a warthog. It's like if you had a whole bunch of warthogs standing around and they're talking about who's the best looking. And, you know, you're in that conversation, you'd say, hang on, guys. It doesn't matter who you think is the best looking, you're all ugly. I mean, the ugliest of the ugly or the, uh, the least ugly of the other. You see, it doesn't matter how good we think we are compared with someone else. It doesn't matter. You see, the, the, pretty, the person sitting next to you is not the standard by which we are compared. You see, when we compare ourselves to a holy and perfect God, we're horrible. And we're filthy, and we're sinners. We are all ugly, and we're all bad people. You see, if, if you ever told a, a lie, you're a liar. How many of you have ever told a lie? You're liars. <laughs> wow, I can't believe any liars come to this church. How many of you have ever stolen something? Wow, you bunch of thieves. Dirty, rotten thieves. How, how many of you ever looked at somebody, someone lustfully? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> you dirty, rotten adulterers. How many of you have done all three? How many of you have done all three? You've lied, you've stolen something, and you've looked at somebody lustfully. Well, what you are is your dirty, rotten, lying thieving adulterers. Welcome to Salem Fields. Make yourself at home. I'm glad you're here today. Phew, I've got work to do. But we're not a good person because at the core, we're sinful. You see, Paul said, there is no one righteous, so I can't brag, and you can't brag. Paul says, there's not one, there's no one righteous, not even one. I'm not righteous, and you're not righteous. There's no one righteous, not even one. I, I, I'm not a bad person, it's twisted thinking, because we're all sinful in the eyes of God. We're all, on the same, we're all in the same stinking, sinking boat in the eyes of God. The second twisted belief we have is that all sin is the same, that all sin is the same. You, you, you ever hear, uh, hear this or say this to yourself, who are you to judge me? What I'm doing is no worse than what you're doing. You know, when we're caught in sin, uh, the first thing you want to say was, well, I, look at what you're doing. You know, your wife catches you, you say, well, look what you're doing. It's no worse than what I'm doing. Or somebody catches us, you know, in sin, we say, well, you're no better than I am. Who are you to judge me? All sin is the same. Now, that's twisted. And what we need to understand is that the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't teach that all sin is the same. Now, I need you to hear me on this, okay? Because this, this can get a little twisted. So hear me on this. All sin not forgiven does lead to eternal death. All sin that's not forgiven does lead to eternal death. No questions asked, okay? 
All sin not forgiven does lead to eternal death, but not all sin is the same. Paul said this, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. That means any type of sin, even a little sin or a big sin, even a white lie or, or, or whatever kind of sin, any type of sin that's not forgiven leads to death. Okay? But here's the good news. But the gift of God is the eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank God for Jesus. You see, so all unforgiven sin does, unforgiven sin does lead to eternal death, but all sin is not the same. Sounds a little twisted, doesn't it? But here's what I mean. Not all sin has the same consequences. Here's an example. If I overeat today at lunch, that's gluttony. And gluttony, the Bible says, is sin, right? If I overeat, and I've been, I've been known to do that on occasions, if I overeat tonight and I commit the sin of gluttony, I can still be your pastor next week, okay? Thank God. But if I have sexual relationships with another woman, I'm done. I'm done. My, my, uh, the people I'm accountable to are, are the Nazarene board, of, of, of um, credentials, they're going to come right in and they're going to take my credentials away and I'm done. You see, they'll give me a pass on gluttony or they might give me a pass on gossiping about, about you and talking about you behind your back. Every staff meeting we pick out 10 people and we talk about you. <laughs> and it can get, I can be, you know, I can still be your pastor tomorrow, but you let me have sexual relationships with anybody outside of Pastor Gay, I get to think, well, anyway, I'm not going there. <laughs> let's forget that. Let's move right on. <laughs> Both sin will keep me out of heaven, you know, if they're not forgiven. If I don't confess them and I don't repent, but not are all equal in terms of consequences. All sin is not the same. All sin that not, for, not forgiven separates me from God, but all sin is not the same. There are different earthly consequences for our sin. Do you get that? If you get that, say, yeah, I get that. Okay, I'm getting the cross. Do you all get that on the, online? Say, yes, we get that. You hear them? Okay. All unforgiven sin separates us from God and has eternal consequences, but there are certain sins on earth that will have a larger, bigger impact on our lives and lives of others here on earth and in eternity as well. So the third twisted belief that a lot of people have is I've already sinned, so I might as well keep on doing it. Might as well, I might as well keep on sinning. Now, as a teen or a young adult, you may think, well, I've lost my virginity, so I might as well keep on having sex. Or as a husband or a wife, you say, well, I've already cheated once on my wife. I've already cheated on my husband. I might as well just keep on cheating. I stole some stuff at the office and I got by with it. I might as well keep on stealing. I cheated on my timesheet this week and I got some extra pay, so, hey, I got by with it. I might as well keep on doing it. Might as well. But then if you look at what Paul says in Romans, it may straighten out this twisted thinking that we have, this twisted belief. Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? What does Paul say 
Of course not. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? In other words, hey, if God is going to keep forgiving me anyway, why should I stop? I mean, I, I mean, let's just plan to sin tonight because we know God's going to forgive us. Should I keep on doing that? Paul says, of course not. And I've heard people say that. Well, God's going to forgive me anyway. So I'll just go out tonight and have me a good old time. And in the morning, I'll get up and I'll say, God, forgive me. And everything will be okay. And I'll go out tonight and I'll just keep on doing it. And Paul says, no, of course not. He says, since we have died to sin, if we're believers, we have died to sin, how can we live in it? In other words, since Jesus died for us, and he gave his life for us, and he shed his blood on Calvary's cross, and we came to him, and we sought forgiveness, and because of our faith in him, we can have power over sin because the power of Christ lives in us if we're believers. I know some people argue that. We can have power. Why would we continue to sin and hurt the heart of God? Why, why would we continue to sin and damage and destroy our own lives and hurt the people we love? Why would we keep doing that? So should I keep on sinning because God's going to forgive me anyway? Paul says, of course not. Of course not. Paul was struggling with that. He said, the good I want to do, I can't seem to do it. Can't seem to make it happen. And so you're that right now. You're saying, man, I want to I stop, but I can't seem. And Paul says, should I go ahead and keep doing it? Because he says, of course not. Of course not. Why? Because God has something much better for all of us. God has something much better for all of us. Well, I, I've already said I might as well keep on doing it. You know, and as a pastor, I have a front row seat into the lives of people who've had that attitude and they've destroyed their lives. And they've destroyed the people around them. I have a front row seat to people who say they're Christians and they just continue to live like they lived before they were Christians. And then they rationalize it and they justify it and say it's not that big a deal. And who are you, buddy, to judge me? Man, I've been told that more times lately than ever. Will you keep going? Will you go on sinning so God's grace may abound? I hope not. I hope not. And Paul says, of course not. Of course not. I won't do that. Someone once said the most miserable people in the world are not non-Christians. Man, I look at the world, I look at people out in the world, I think, man, they're having the time. And they're not miserable. They don't know any better yet. If we fulfill our vision, every person in Fredericksburg will know, though. You see, the most miserable people in the world are not non-Christians. The most miserable people in the world are Christians who continue to live in sin. Man, I don't know about you, but when I mess up, I feel miserable. I feel miserable. I think, oh, why did I ever say that? Why did I do that? God, please forgive me. Now, now I'm not staying up here saying I'm perfect because I am certainly not. You just ask Gay, and she'll tell you that I am not. But here's what I've learned. The longer I'm a believer... And the more I get to know Jesus, 
the more he reveals the sin in my life. You know, I, I think back to the silly little things I've done that, done in the past. They weren't silly. They were damaging. But I'm just saying things that were obvious. And now God is showing me things that are not so obvious. And the closer I get to him and the more I want to be like him, the more he shows me about my life that needs to be confessed and needs to be, I need to repent and confess. You know, people say to me all the time, buddy, why don't you preach something a little deeper? I want to go a little deeper. I want to get a little more in the word. And I, I agree with that. And you can get a little more knowledge. But here's what I can say to about everybody here that I know, including myself and some of you online. We already have enough knowledge that if I never preached another message to you, if I never preached another message, if we would all be obedient to what we already know, we wouldn't even need to go hear another sermon. I hear it all the time, why don't you go a little deeper? And I'm thinking, well, why don't you just obey what I taught this morning? And that's what spiritual maturity is. Spiritual maturity is not more Bible knowledge, and it's good to have more Bible knowledge, but what I'm saying to you, spiritual maturity, maturity is saying, I am being obedient to what I know today. Live that one out. Let's live that one out this week. And I'm pointing at me too. Let's live that one out this week. Just ask God to show you what you already know and ask him if we're being obedient to what we already know and live that out this week. And we live that out this weekend. Next Sunday, man, we're going to be like, we're going to have halos on. <laughs> and, and we're going to be like, oh, yeah. That spirit of maturity. But here's what I'll say to you, folks. And I know this firsthand. Sin is progressive. It grows. It grows. Unconfessed sin grows. And it grows in the dark. It grows in the dark. What I mean, it grows when we don't confess it, when we do it and we, don't, and we think that nobody knows and we're getting by with it. It grows in the dark. It's when you confess it and you bring it to light, when we bring it to light, that's when the light of Jesus sets us free. We can know Jesus, and we can sin, and never confess, and never repent, and it will never come to the light. But when we bring it to the light, and we say, Jesus, I repent, and I confess, he sets us free. And you know what? Sin will take you further than you want to go. Oh, I didn't think, it was, I didn't think about that. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. But I got a feeling some of you right now are sitting there saying, well, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. I'm, hurt. I'm not hurting anybody else. And I'd say, yeah, it is a big deal. It'll cost us. And if you're a follower of Jesus and we continue to sin, you will eventually find yourself not as close to God as you once were. You will find yourself not as close to God as you once were. And you know why that is? The holiness of God, the holiness of God. I got to get that up there higher. The holiness of God and, and, and sin cannot coexist. Can't coexist. The Bible says there will be no sin in heaven. And God says, be holy as I am holy. And when, 
when we, when we continue to sin, we'll find ourselves, and then we'll start blaming other people. Well, first we'll blame God. Well, God doesn't love me anymore because I, 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 he doesn't answer my prayer. I don't feel him in my life anymore. I don't sense God in my life anymore. And then, then we'll start blaming our spouse, and then we'll blame the church. It's not, you know, didn't do enough preaching deep. And we'll blame our small group. Our small group's too social. But the heart of it is there's unconfessed sin. And our hearts will get harder. And it will become hardened to the voice of God. And eventually we won't hear the voice of God anymore. You know how I know? I've been there. You see, we will all mess up at times. But when it happens, we need to be quick to repent. And ask God. God's forgiveness. And surrender. And surrender our hearts to his lordship so that we can have the power to live in victory over sin. When we surrender to his lordship, you know what God does? He, he begins to conform our minds to the mind of Christ. When we surrender to his will, God begins to conform our minds to the mind of Christ and as times go times go by as time goes by you and I will start to look like Jesus and we'll start to act like Jesus not like him but like we'll act like he acts in closing let me say this the reality is this sin does cost me and it costs others but Jesus is bigger than our sin praise the lord you know, earlier we looked at 1 John 1, 8 that says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then in verse 9 comes some really, 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 really good news. If we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's good news, isn't it, Charles? That's good news. Thank God for the grace of God. Thank God for his shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ, on Calvary's cross. Because of his shed blood and Jesus' love for us and his grace, you and I can be forgiven, and we can spend eternity in heaven forever and ever and ever. Woo! That's a touchdown. That's how awesome Jesus is. He is our way out of sin. He is the truth that will set us free, and he's the only kind of life that will satisfy, truly satisfy. So the next time our culture says, or you say, or I say, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anybody else. Here's what I want you to do. Recognize that that's a lie straight out of the pit of hell. That's the enemy speaking into your head because he wants to destroy you. Do you know the enemy wants to destroy you, don't you? He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. One sin at a time. So the next time, you just tell the devil to go to hell. You see, Jesus is the friend of sinners. And that's why you're here today. That's why I'm here today, because we're all sinners. And we all need his forgiveness. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it's truth. We thank you, Father, that you have 
given us your word that's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And Father, we just ask your, uh, Father, your grace and your forgiveness would just set us free today. God, I, I just pray today, Lord, as I prayed this morning, Lord, I prayed, search my heart, Lord. And Lord, if there's any sin in my life, God, will you reveal that to me? Would you just pray that right now? God, and, and some of you already know what that is, right? And, and I, I, I would just encourage you, if you're a believer today and there's some unconfessed sin in your life, that you just take a moment and you confess. And if you hear that small, steel voice, you know that, I'm not talking about the voice that tells you that you're no good, no count sinner. I'm talking about that voice that says, you know what, it'd be better if you get this out of your life. You know, the thing I've understood about God and learned about God, God doesn't, he doesn't cut us down. He doesn't speak to us in a harsh and condemning voice. His voice is one of love and compassion and grace. And that's how you can discern, is this the devil? Was he telling you you're no good, rotten person? Or is it the voice of God who's saying, come on, I love you. I died for you. And you know that this is hurting you. Would you just confess that right now? Will you repent and tell God just how sorry you are? I did that yesterday morning, man, because I said, I can't get up there. Lord, search my heart. I'm scared to death to preach about sin and not recognize my own. It's a beautiful moment. God is here. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, or you'd say, buddy, you know what? I've been dabbling around in sin, and, and, I, and I'm so far from God today, and I just want to recommit my life to him. Would you pray this prayer with me this morning? Dear Jesus, just pray that. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can, but pray it in your heart and pray it sincerely and believe it by faith. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on a cross for the forgiveness of my sins. Jesus, I'm sorry for all of my sins. Would you please forgive me? Jesus, I invite you into my life to be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me and dying for me. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior. Now, with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed and no one looking around just for a moment, if you prayed that prayer with me and you prayed it sincerely and you've committed your life to Jesus, you've asked him to forgive you, invite him into your life, or you've recommitted your life to him, I want you just to look up here at me, okay? Just look right up here at me. That's a different thing than raising your hand. Just look up at me. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, after the service, Jason's in the back, Pastor Jason. He has a 
wristband for you there, and it's not so much the wristband. I wear this baby all the time. Just so he can talk to you about what God has done for you in your life today, and you can understand that. And you can talk to him if you have any questions. God bless you. Father, I pray for those who have prayed that prayer today. God, may they sense your presence in a real and wonderful way. And God, I, I just believe today that there are people who have confessed sin today. And I pray that they would just sense the presence of God in their life, that God, that they would realize that Jesus has set them free and they are forgiven. And God, what you have forgiven, you have cast as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered against us. Remember that. Whatever you confess today, if it comes back up, it's not Jesus. Because he says, he cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. You know that you can go east forever and ever and ever and never go west, so you're never going to find it. He says, I cast your sins as far as the east from the west, never to be remembered against you again. It's done. It's under the blood. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and worship together. Amen. If you'd like to come and pray at the altar this morning, just come and pray.